1: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios. When you need certainty in the home buying process with a loan that fits you, well, Rocket it can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855 212 Send the tweets, send the hot at Ken Carmen C-A-R-M-A-N. C-A-R-M-A-N. Toll-free line, eight five five two one two four cbs 855 sponsored by GEICO. Right now, GEICO's offering the extra 15% credit on car, motorcycle, and all RV policies. That's on top of what GEICO could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Visit GEICO.com to learn more. America, I'm torn this morning. I am a bit torn, and I need your help. There's a couple of different things that i got to get off my chest here as we start this show. One, I take this seriously. I do. Remember this. Above all... I take this seriously. I do the proper precautions. I already wash my hands, and Pierno doesn't know this. I already wash my hands upwards of 40 times a day. I'm not a germaphobe. I just really like clean hands. So the the hand-washing thing, I didn't think there was a problem with me about. the The showering, the cleanliness, hygiene. I brush my teeth twice a day, and they still kind of look like butter teeth, to be honest with you. And, and I try to do everything I can with the whitening there, but there's only so much you can do. I drink a hell of a lot of coffee. I try to be hygienic. In the summer months, when it's hot as hell out like this, I take upwards of four showers a day. Cleanliness is next to godliness. I'm a very large individual. I've said it a million times. If I leave a jar of mayonnaise out in the sun for an hour, what's going to happen with that mayonnaise? You leave me out in the sun for an hour, what's going to happen with me? I have the consistency of a jar of mayonnaise. I need to be showered. I need to be clean, I need to feel good, I need to feel confident. It's all about that. And I do what I'm supposed to. I wear the mask. Actually, I wear a bandana over my face. Kind of like that better. Kind of feels easier to me. Kind of feels clean, cleanlier to me. I think the masks are a little bit gross from what I see out there. But you again, you wear your mask, you do what you do. I take it seriously. But I, I, I have myself a crisis of confidence that's gone on in America here over the last week. And we're going to have to ask ourselves some very tough questions here, not just for the coming week, but for the weeks to come. When it comes to our sports, when it comes to our schools, when it comes to professional sports as well, as well as work and life and everything. But I'm a sports talk radio show host, and I find myself upset with my profession. I find myself upset with some of the people in my profession. I take it seriously, and I, and I hope that you do too. I am not a conspiracy theorist. I think that there are people who know way more about me in science and medicine who are telling me, listen, don't be crazy, don't be fearful, but take the proper precautions. That's all they're asking me to do. And I say, hey, it's really not that much. I take the proper precautions. Now, if you don't want to, that's on you. But from what the evidence gives me, I will take the proper precautions and I will continue to go to work. Now, I heard the call to Robin just about, well, 15 minutes ago from a guy in New Jersey. The man sounded terrified. The man sounded absolutely terrified. And I'm not going to tell the man from New Jersey, I think it was Marty in New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not going to tell Marty in New Jersey that, hey, you got to get over this, you got to, Mitch in New Jersey, thank you, Mitch. or thank you, uh, No, I'm not going to tell Mitch in New Jersey, hey, you got to buck up, you got to be a man, you got to man up and get up. No, 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 no. no. What you do is what you do. If you, have the, if you have the wherewithal, if you have the opportunity to stay home and you feel that that's the best thing you can do for you, for your family, everything like that, you go right on ahead and do so. If you feel that you want to take the proper precautions, be a responsible U.S. citizen and go out there and do that, then that's more well within your right. You go right on ahead and do so. I take care of me. I take care of ours. You take care of yours. I respect your rights in this country, and I hope you would respect mine. I'm not trying to get political about it. I'm just looking at it from 250-plus years of history. But now we have ourselves a, a, a thing here where I think you go to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I think you come to me for some optimism. If you want numbers, if you want harsh realities, whatever it might be, and I, and I can get very real anytime I really wish, I think you have places you can go to if you want this to just be a non-stop thing at the top of your head, then you have other places you can go to. For me, I look at the healing that sports can do. I look for the healing that the sports can do for our country, both good and and, and what it can do, not to, not to disengage, not to distract what it can do for all of us. But I have to put these things in the proper context, and I still don't feel that some of – the folks that do what I do have done that. I don't. I think there has been some fear-mongering going on. I think there has been a couple of times where people have gone over the line. I'm not naming names. I can't name enough names. I think there's some people who have done a little bit too much, said a little bit too much. And if that's how they feel, then that's how they feel. But I do think that you come to me for some sort of an escape and some sort of a conversation because right now when I look at sports and I'm watching F1 practice right now and, and I watched NASCAR yesterday and I watch a little bit of the MLS and, and I'm hoping to watch some hockey and I'm hoping to watch some baseball and I'm hoping to watch some basketball and I hope that I watch the NFL and obviously I hope that I watch college football. Everything that I'm doing is starting, trying to look towards the future because I keep saying and I keep believing it and I will keep believing it, no, we're not going to deal with this for the rest of our lives. This will be something that will pass. Will it get ugly? Will it get murky? More than likely. More than likely it will. There will be more frustration. There will be more angst. There will be more anger. We do have, and I cannot take the political tone out of this, there will be some sort of an election coming up this fall. You can make your voice heard. And you are well within your right to do so, and you should do so. But when it comes to what we do, I'm willing to talk about life in every single aspect of it. I'll never claim that I'm an expert in it. When you come to me every Saturday or when people in Cleveland come to me every morning, we can, we can talk about sports and because maybe I talk to a couple of people who are with some of the organizations that we cover, And it's not just in Cleveland, it's across the country from usually people from Cleveland who've moved on to other organizations. I'll just tell you about that right now. But usually when we talk to other organizations, it's a system of, well, I know the real story. You're coming to me for the real story. Let me tell you the real story going on. And what that does is see that that messes with guys like mine ego, because then I'll sit there and I think that I'm a master on all subjects. I am not. I don't know. And some of the some of the different conversations that go on in our society, I still don't know. The only thing I can do is listen. It's the same thing with when it comes to social justice, that it is with public health, that it is with our economy, that it is with our future, that it is with our children. If there are topics like this, the only thing I can do is listen, give my experience, and listen to your experience. That's the best I can give you. I am not an expert in any of these fields, and I never will claim to. But when it comes to sports, sports is giving us or trying to give us some sort of optimism. It is up to me whether or not I want to pour cold water on you and say to not be optimistic and not look forward to anything. Or I want to say that, listen, someday they'll step back out on the field. I don't know if it'll be this fall. I don't know if it'll be this summer. Can't say for, sure. Can't say for certain. But someday they'll step back out on a the field. They'll step back out on a the court. They'll get back out on the ice. They're already back out on the racetrack. They're already back in the, in the octagon and in the ring and on the horse track. I can, I can try to give you as much as I can. But I, t- I, I like to go that route. That's the way I like to go about it. Because I can. I can sit here and I can Eeyore it up, and I can doom and gloom, and I can pour cold water all over you. And we could just make this a four-hour, sad, bastard extravaganza. Or I can look towards the future. That being said, I start on myself a little bit. Because football, in the NFL, I think that they're going to do their very damnedest to make sure there's football being played in the NFL. What we're seeing in Major League Baseball, they're doing their damnedest to make sure some baseball is being played in the NHL and the NBA. These are paid professionals. These are people who have jobs. For these guys and for everybody else, they have a right to work in what their profession is safely, securely, with the proper precautions being taken, just like I would in in my job and just like you would in your job. This is how they support their families. This is what they do for work. But for college sports, and especially college football, oh, that's become a sticky wicket, hasn't it? Big Ten announced earlier this week that they are going to go conference only. The Pac-12 fall suit, Barrett Sally. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up at 10.40 a.m. Eastern because he said that a lot of places were blown away. They were completely blindsided by the Big Ten deciding to go conference only. But the Big Tens went conference only. The ACC is going to think about it. I think they're going to make a final decision coming up on July 24th. A lot of things can change. The SEC we're hearing rumors about. Now, first, if they get things up in the air, I do think you're really going to like college football, and I think you're really going to like conference-only football. Usually, with the exception of a couple, and save your jokes. High-quality opponents taking on other high-quality opponents. There is no downtime. Because it, as much as I love college football, and it's my second biggest thing that we get into, and I love when I get you guys fighting me, and I love it when I get you guys fighting each other. You know and I know there are some lulls during the college football season. There are some, before we get to the conference play, there are some weeks where, man, there's really not many many big matchups. You might have, an like Oregon and Ohio State were supposed to play this year, and a couple other ones were supposed to go on, and usually that's maybe a week one or week two thing. But right there in week four, week, week three, week four, week five, somewhere in there, you know there's usually a week where it's like, "Yeah, it's a little ho-hum this week. Well, now you're not going to get any of that. If all systems are a go, I think you're going to love this. Because right from the get-go, you're going to have teams of the haves, you're going to have teams of the have-nots, and you're going to have teams of the have that could be upset because they might play sloppy. They might not be as ready as some of the teams that aren't even haves in, in their own conference. But it's usually going to be, with the exception of a couple that are on their ass, high-quality opponents playing high-quality opponents in Power 5 conference play, and I think you're going to enjoy it. I think it's going to be more enjoyable than some of the early early season stuff we see. Maybe the upsets won't be as memorable. Maybe it won't be as big. I don't know how we crown a national champion. I don't know how we cross that bridge. I don't know what we do. Maybe we go by the old-fashioned and we just say, all right, all the voters out there who have a vote, we're going to do this the old way, and we're going to get the AP involved, and we are going to go out and we're going to have a vote for the college football champion. It might happen that way. And then again, yeah, it it may not happen at all. But I don't know if the question now is can. Because honestly, I think they can. I talked to Gordon Gee yesterday, Dr. Gordon Gee, West Virginia University president. He upset a lot of people on social media, and a lot of people were critical of Gordon Gee's comments with us, and we'll play that interview with you, for you, later on today at 12.40 p.m. Eastern. Some people said it was irresponsible. Gordon Gee has been a university president for 40 years. Gordon Gee probably said what I would imagine 90% of university presidents are saying right now. These are things that we have to live with. These are things we have to deal with. We need to get kids on campus. We have to continue this. We have to get school going. Wherever wherever you are on that spectrum, I'm just giving you what a university president is saying. Because they plan to have students on campus. A lot of places plan to have students on campus. Some aren't, but most are. And so there's going to be a question of whether or not they can. I don't even think it's a question of that. I think there will be reasonable precautions But I think the question really becomes, should they? I think for safety for athletes, it's going to be different for safety for students. But I know that they can't turn it off. And I talk about football in general. I know volleyball is involved, and there's other fall sports other than college football folks. But when I look at football, and it's a major thing we talk about, it's a different sport than all the others. And this is where you have to think for. Maybe the college athlete. And I think maybe sometimes you have to think for the player. And this is where coaches become so important. This is where administrators become so important. It, football is a game that's still, no matter what we do with the rules, no matter what we do with practice, no matter what we do with any of the other things that are seen downright barbaric of what I went through as a kid, what my father went through, if he played football as a kid, what anybody else did. No matter what we do, football is always going to be this. It's a test of yourself compared to others. It's a test of yourself of what you can add to, to the team atmosphere. What you can go through to the team atmosphere. And that's what makes football special. A lot of kids can play baseball growing up. A lot of kids can play basketball growing up. A lot of kids can play soccer. I got three sons myself. And I've always said, I loved football. And folks, I sucked at it. I was not that good I was not that good. I got pity minutes. I tried hard. I gave a quote-unquote good look on scout team, and you would look at me and you think I should be a lot better. No, I was a pant load in in many numerous ways. But I love the game. I love the fever of it. I love what goes on with it. I love the strategy. And and most of it I still don't understand, and I'm not going to pretend to. I listen to coaches and I hang on their every word about how they draw things up just to see how you make 22 people go in 22 different directions at any time. And above all, it's not just about that strategy. It's not just about finding the weak point of the opponent and exploiting while protecting your own weak points. It's not just that. It's still a question of who can dominate who. You can say that's toxic masculinity. You could say that's a bygone era. It's who can beat who in a given time of 60 or 48 minutes, depending on where you're at. That's the beauty of football. That's the beauty of the game. That's part of why I love it. Because still there's always a feeling that you've tested yourself You've went further. You've taken the the physical pounding. You've taken even the emotional pounding at times. You've been able to, at the end of that day, at the end of that practice, at the end of that game, you have been able to give it up for the greater good. And it's why I say, while I love the game of football and I loved playing it, even though I sucked at it, it's meant for a different person. Football, wrestling, extremely strenuous sports. I hope my sons play football. I would hope that my sons get enjoyment from football like me, but I sure as hell aren't going to be forcing them to go on over there to Streetsboro Youth Football or any of the other things. You either got it or you don't. I'm not going to put them through that. Football is a game that if you play it for an extended period of time, though, you know how to turn things off. You know how to turn off and find the difference between hurt and injured, and usually you're going to go with hurt. It's about putting away distraction. That's what's been preached from your very first day of youth football through high school, through college, and if you're blessed, to go to the NFL. It's the first thing that's there. Eliminate whatever distractions that's there and do it for the greater good. It's a brainwashing. And it very well is. And I think that that's going to be the thing that these universities have to worry about because I don't think it's a question of can. I think if they really want to, if they're damned to do so – they're going to do it. They're going to play college football. If they got their druthers, they're going to do it. And you can bring up about, well, you know, if somebody dies, somebody usually dies during the season anyway, before before the season anyway, during workouts, they continue to trudge on. If somebody dies of this, if somebody has long-term health, uh, health deficits because of this, I think that this, this is a business, this is college football, they will continue to trudge on. And that's the bigger question. It's not whether or not they can. I think they can, and I think they'll do everything they can to play college football. The question is, should they? Because I struggle with this. Can I make non-paid players play college football in the fall? I could try to get them to do it in the spring. Can I make them do it in the fall? Can I dangle that carrot over those college football players in the fall? And let me think, and I know that there's, there's FCS and FBS and there's, there's Power Five and mid-majors. Let's stick to the big boys. Let's stick to Alabama. Can I, in good conscience, as the University of Alabama, knowing what college football does for my athletic programs, what college football does for the local economy, what college football does for the state, and for my own coffers, should I make them play college football in the fall? Because for every young person on that Alabama football team, they have visions of grandeur in the NFL. That's why they went to Alabama. Should they be made to do it? Because I can say, you're getting a free education. Absolutely, you shouldn't. Nah, it doesn't wash like that anymore. And there's players on those teams, especially when it comes to Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and Oklahoma. When it comes to those teams, there's players on those teams that, boy, it, it does. you're a high draft pick. Maybe it doesn't seem like it's the, the smart thing to do or the right thing to do for you. And I can bring up, well, you have a scholarship and you have opportunities. For a young man who doesn't want to play or is a little bit afraid to play, what can I do to guarantee a scholarship? Can I guarantee a scholarship? Has that scholarship already in certain terms been threatened? And has that scholarship been threatened? And maybe there's a coercion to get him to play. And also, you know, we can talk about opportunities. But, you know, Junior, if, if, if you're not going to be with us, hey, that's fine. That's your right. You can stay home, this, that, and the other. Hashtags and whatever. But if we're going to play football, well, that means that the next man is going to have to be up. And, well, we've always heard the story of Wally Pipp. Doesn't it sound like I'm coercing somebody to do something right now? Doesn't it? That's what a 20-year-old has to worry about right now. That's what a 21-year-old has to worry about right now. And, yeah, I know a lot of 20- and 21-year-olds were out having a hell of a time on 4th of July weekend, and maybe it's part of the problem that we have, but it's still part of the very serious decision they have to make. I think they can, and I think that they'll be damned if they don't. It's a question of whether they should because i can look at a professional football player basketball player and major league baseball player and i say you know the risks you're deciding to play you're being paid for it even though you might be taking a bit of a hit it's still handsomely go out there and play your sport do your job that you're employed to do hey, i don't think i can do that for a college football player can i 8552124cbs8552124227 the question is whether it's ethical, to make them play college football this fall. Talk to Barrett Sally about that at 1040. Your call's next. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Barrett Sally, 1040 a.m. Eastern, Kevin Boylard. 11.40 a.m. Eastern, and at 12.40, we talked to Dr. Gordon Gee yesterday in Cleveland. I'll replay that interview for you. Coming, at, uh, coming up at 12.40 p.m. Eastern, I think Anthony Lima will probably do the same tomorrow uh, coming up uh, between 10 to 2 Eastern. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Yeah, before I get to the first call, it, it's, a tough question to, it's a tough question to ask, and, and there's going to be a level of understanding then. I don't know if you can do across wide swathes of college football. I think that if you were to ask Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence and his parents and, and maybe his future agent are a bit trepidatious about this. Because Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be, if Trevor Lawrence didn't play anyway, if Trevor Lawrence said, you know what, I'm just not going to play, he'd be the number one pick anyway. He'd still be the number one pick. I could sit there and talk about team atmosphere and da-da-da-da-da-da. You know what I know. He's the number one pick. Justin Fields is up there. A couple other guys are up there. They got a couple of decisions to make. But if you're a kid who is just now going to be a running back, if you play at Kentucky and you're just now going to be their starting running back in their SEC schedule, and you're a little bit nervous about that, maybe grandma got sick with it, maybe mom or dad got sick with it, you've seen some of the things. I mean, it's, it's touched all of us now. And they say, listen, we're going to do everything we can to make sure you play safely. And I, and I believe them. I believe that college programs will do that. I don't think they want to look bad. I don't think that they want guys like me railing against them. I don't think they want any of that stuff. They want to make sure that the proper precautions are taken as best they possibly can. But that still might not alleviate the fear of a 20-year-old. And can I look at him and say, hey, you know what, if you decide... If you decide it's better to stay home, if you decide it's better to not play football, we're not going to hold it against you. Can that young man believe me? <laughs> I don't think that there's – in the NFL, there's certain guys, if they don't want to play, they don't want to play. This sport, football, while well, I love it, coercion, oh, it's the most powerful factor there is. By your teammates, by your coaches, by even your family. Hey, you're going to be a you're going to be a junior this year. This is your third year. You're going to be a starter. You know, if you have a really good season, don't think that you might not be a third or a fourth round draft pick. You could you could go to the NFL and make your family money. Do you want to stay home and maybe cost your family more money? Is that the case? I feel greasy saying that, but these are the conversations people are having. Make no mistake about that. Eight five five two one two four cbs is it ethical to play college football this fall? Wayne in Cleveland, you're first up on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, how,
2: how you doing? Good morning.
0: Doing well, Wayne. Um, Go right on ahead.
2: All right, so I, I was listening to you earlier when I um, first uh, tuned in and uh, you were saying something about being scared. Um, and my comment is, it's is one thing to be scared but or fearful I think the word you use. But it's another thing to have common sense, you know, because this thing here is something that we couldn't prepare for. It's something that caught all of us off guard. You know, only God knows what's going on. And without a vaccine, I think for these college kids to play, because they're saying that um in in the fall going into the winter that this thing is gonna get even worse. And now they're saying that we're already at a level three, they're saying we can hit a level four. And they're saying because we're not taking it serious, everyone not wearing a mask, that they're they're even saying jail time for some people if you're caught in public without a mask. That's how well, serious that's, this thing is. That's,
0: that's, that, that's probably going to be impossible. Mean, that's probably going to be impossible. I know, right but man. I'm but, just
2: going off what, what I'm hearing, you know. But what I'm saying is with these kids playing, I, I just don't see a point. And I'm starting the season, and if this thing falls and gets even worse, what well, what's the point of starting it if we're going to have to stop it but, again? But so Wayne, you are
0: already in, in because we're we're getting through the summer here, and this is another thing that we're going to have to discuss here. And boy, this is a this is why I think this conversation is going to not between you and me or anything like that, but as a as a society, I think this conversation is going to get pretty pretty ugly because you know, Dr. Fauci said, hey, we'll we probably have our first ones in the fall here. We'll probably have our first vaccines in the fall. And people go, great! And then people go, wait, if it's the first of like, if you follow Andy Slavitt or anybody who, who, who talks to the to leading epidemiologists, like, well, you'll probably have a series of five vaccines, and the fifth one is going to be best, better than the first one. So when we say vaccine, I think there's going to be a lot of people go, eh, there's going to be an argument over the vaccine. Like, I'm not an anti-vaxxer or anything like that, Wayne. You, know, you get what I'm saying here? But I, I, don't, oh, yeah. think the, I don't think the the argument's going to be as clear as, hey, there's a vaccine. We can, we can start to do this again. I think there will be people who argue against and let, that and go further with it.
2: Let me ask you this, then I'm going to hang up. I know you have Please. other yes.
0: callers. Did, yes.
2: did, did you hear anything about they're saying that they may have a vaccine and that they're looking for volunteers? Did you hear anything about that?
0: I know that they've taken – and, Wayne, thank you very much for the call. I think that they've had – depending on where you're at, I know that they've had um, a couple of human trials in Seattle. I I think there has been – if I'm not mistaken, there has been a human trial in the Midwest. But it's still going to be – According to the doctors, according to Dr. Fauci, it's still going to be you know, October, November, December, somewhere in there where the first one might get rolled out. And But he said it himself, hey, you could have 100 to 200 million doses. How strong those doses are going to be or how effective those doses are going to be, there's going to be a question. So, again, I, I, I'm not an authority on it. I can only tell you what I hear and what I hear I get a little bit nervous about because I don't want to be taken as, well, Ken, you said this. No, 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 no. We're all hearing different things. And I do think that that leads to some of the fear that people have. I'm, I don't believe in fear. I believe in common sense. I believe in proper precautions. I believe in trying to be ready for it. So again, if if somebody wants to stay home, they if they have the if if they have the resources to do that, they go right on ahead and stay home. If Junior playing college football has the resources to stay home, please by all means. But that young man is going to have to be made to be make a very tough decision because. I do think that it will come down to conference. Maybe the Big Ten decides that they're going to play eight games. Maybe they'll play five games. Maybe they'll play, maybe they'll play divisions like they were talking about in the ACC, and you'll double a home-at-home home with opponents like that. But we can say one thing for the Big Ten. We can say another thing for the Pac-12 or the ACC. The SEC is going to be a different animal, and you and I all know that. We all know that. This is their thing. And so I think you're making a kid who plays at Georgia – and in Auburn and Alabama and Florida and in the, in the real upper echelon, SEC schools, LSU, you're making that young man come to a very tough decision because it's not just whether or not you feel safe. it's whether or not that you feel safe enough or unsafe enough to stay home, and there is going to be an opportunity cost to that. This is not cut and dry. In our society with a vaccine with any of that, that's not cut and dry. And when it comes to college football in particularly, that's far from it. This is the Ken Carman Show. 11 a.m. Eastern, half a billion dollars from Kansas City says they're buying a championship. They're not buying a chance at one. And Patrick Mahomes is forced to win another one. That coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by the fine folks at GEICO. Right now, you can save an extra 15% on car, motorcycle, and RV policies. And it's an extra 15% credit. It's on top of what GEICO could already save you. So, What are you waiting for? Visit Geico.com to learn more. Joining us right now on the line, whether or not it's ethical to play college football, what the SEC plans to do, the Pac-12's plan, what the Big Ten, I guess, according to our guest, took everybody by surprise. Barrett Salee joins us right now. CBS Sports College Football writer. Follow him on Twitter, at Barrett Salee. Barrett, thank you very much for joining us.
1: My pleasure, Tim. Thanks for having me.
0: So this took the Big Ten's decision a couple of days ago, this really did shock a couple of those other commissioners and, and school presidents from around the country
1: yeah, talking to some folks around the FEC and ACC specifically there was no indication that this was happening I mean it was completely out of the blue now of course you know conference only schedules have been discussed basically in every conference there's no reason why that shouldn't happen and, and of course it did but in terms of making an announcement in terms of lines of communication uh they really had uh had none between the s e c and a c c c There are a lot of people scrambling uh around the country. A lot of administrators trying to figure out uh how to operate a season now uh, while they do have plans i mean everybody has a plan A from a plan p at this point uh they were not ready to uh to start eliminating plans at this point.
0: can't imagine they weren't too thrilled about that
1: Barrett <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I because I, especially with with the wrenches wrenches that are thrown in, you you got ACC, Big Ten matchups, and, and SEC, and the whole thing. Uh, but then we heard a couple of rumblings that maybe they're just the first domino, and then the Pac-12 yesterday decided that they were going to go conference only. Was the Big Ten the leader for them, or were they already kind of thinking that maybe maybe thought that maybe the Pac-12 might end up being that way?
1: I think Pac-12 made their decision. It just was uh, you know kind of. Going to plan on working out the kinks and figuring out what happens. Let's just say with uh, with USC, Alabama, or Colorado, Texas A and M, or or games like that. So, I think the Pac-12 was was basically headed down this road. Uh, but I do think that that the announcement that the Big Ten made sort of expedited the process. Because, you know, if you're going to go conference only, and one major conference has already said they're going to go conference only, then what's the harm in actually saying it now publicly. So um yeah, once the Big Ten's decision was made public, uh the Pac twelve, you know, basically said behind the scenes to all the power brokers, yeah, we're we're gonna do the same thing. And I think there was some sort of idea that they that both of those conferences sort of had that plan and we're we're leaning in that direction anyway. So uh you know it's it's different. Now all ten conferences are affected because you know the uh, but when the Big Ten made its announcement there were no Big Ten SEC games, but there are Pac-12 SEC games. So now, uh, basically everybody's got to figure out how to make this work.
0: Barrett Salee joining us on the show. What could this do to mid-major conferences this season and and for the foreseeable future?
1: Yeah, it could be really, really bad um, because, obviously, uh, none of those teams are going to get massive paychecks. Uh, you know, those teams really need to figure out a way to get on TV. I would imagine a lot of of midweek games um, because that I think would enhance the brand because really what's happened now, and we've seen it already with other sports in the group of five that, that are getting cut because financially there's just no way um, that they can survive, even with a with a shortened college football season. So I think what, what, what the group of five is going to try to do is just scramble and survive this season any way it can. And that includes cost-cutting measures. And sure, you can cut games. That would be – uh, a way to do it, although I think Matt, you know, Max versus Sunbelt games on TV would on Wednesday are interesting, um, travel is a big problem. So my suggestion, and something that I think is being considered, is basically to do away with a group of five conferences this year and just play a regional schedule. Just say, all right, Troy, you're playing UCF, and, you know, USF, you, you go play Old Dominion or, or whatever, um, and make it somewhat regional. That way you can... You know, drive or fly in on Saturday morning and get back home Saturday night, so you don't have to worry about um, you know hotels and things like that. So I think something like that is is going to be on the table because financially, the Group of Five has to play football. I mean, there's no, there's no denying they have to play football, and if they don't this year, we've already seen them cut sports just because of the threat of 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 no football. If it doesn't happen, then you know these these programs, not just. Football, these athletic departments might have to close up shop.
0: Yeah, Barrett Salid joining us on the show here. It's a serious thing. Uh, uh, when, And you're talking about having to play football. I, and I know, like, listen, I, I hear your voice. It's It's been a different tone for a lot of people on social media. And, and we posted some quotes yesterday. We got a chance to talk to Dr. Gordon Gee over at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And he was very matter-of-fact about it, Barrett. He basically said, like, listen, we we got to figure out a way to play. We have to do this. He He used a hammer and a dance analogy where – one, we, we use the hammer, we can stop everything. The other thing is now we feel that this is going to linger for a while. We, we will get a course of vaccines f- through it, but we're going to have to dance with this for a bit. And then it being it begins to, to have the question, Barrett, of what are the ethics here? Because I, I think that right now I still think that <laughs> you and I laugh the same because I don't know because schools, I think, are come hell or high water, especially those Power Five, they're going to try to play. But, and I think they're going to do everything to be safe, but can I – can I get a kid to play to, if he's not paid? If and, and if he decides he doesn't, I mean, there, coercion is a big, big term in the sport of football regardless. I can't imagine what's going through ahead of a 21-year-old right now, bud.
1: Yeah, it's uh, a, a huge decision because, I mean, clearly we all know financially you know, football drives the boat and keeps these programs financially solvent. So, um, you know, it, it is a cash grab. It's always been a cash grab. It always will be a cash grab. So, now, if you're really finding a way to force players to play and put their their health and their well-being, you know, in jeopardy, uh, what are you saying? Well, you're saying they're employees, <laughs> plain and simple, that they are employees. So, and they're not getting compensated the way they should for doing that. So, you've already seen some players uh, sort of, you know, reference this. It was an Arizona wide receiver, I believe, like three weeks ago on Twitter, and says, "If we're going to go out and do this, y'all better pay us some more." And that got retweeted by you know players from around the country, and they're right, you know that that have a, a a really valid point, and so yeah, there has to be some sort of balance. I would imagine you see some stars sit out if there is you know more of a threat, um, you know for for COVID to to spring back up, and certainly if there's a if they if they think they're going to try a spring season. Uh, a, I think that's incredibly, and uh, it's impossible. But then B, even if they try it, you're you're going to see players band together and say, Nah, no, nah, this ain't going to work. We're we're clearly not going. We're clearly part of a cash grab that we're not getting compensated for.
0: Yeah, I think it's either in or out on, on in the fall because I don't know if you can play what for some for some schools you're going to play 28 games at least in the in calendar yeah. year. That, I mean that's that's going to be difficult. Barrett Barrett Salih joining us on the show. Okay, what about this though? I look at the you know the top four and it's arguable, but but it just comes to my mind: Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, right there in that mix. You can mix in anybody mm-hmm. else you want and make it five or six. Does this end up making the rich richer? Because, one, those schools are more able to weather this storm if they're not able to play college football. If they are, there's still going to be an economic fallout, and I'm going to see other schools that, hey, we don't have the money to pay these assistants like we used to. We're going to have to take yeah. pay cuts. All of a sudden, these assistants go to other places because they're well within their right, and that means that's going to affect recruiting here. I mean, I, I, you could see something where these, these schools are going to become even more powerful – as we start to build back up economically over the next five to ten years.
1: Yeah, and that's all the numbers that came up yesterday about revenue distribution this past calendar year is, is so important because if you're the Pac twelve, you're looking around going, Oh, God, what's gonna happen now? They're so far behind the other other four conferences anyway. So yeah, you're right. If if that um you know it, it's gonna change the way athletics departments spend in every possible way. Coaching salaries for sure. Facilities and things. I mean, you see some schools build, you know, palaces five years after building palaces. That's yeah. not going to happen, um, you know, anymore. So uh, I think it's going to force athletics directors to, I uh, think, more long-term and prepare for doomsday scenarios because, let's, let's be honest, for, for athletics departments right now, this is a doomsday scenario. So I don't necessarily think that was factored in anywhere, um, you know, at any school, at any level. So now you have to really plan for something like that and plan for, you know, football not existing because um, you've got to find a way to stay afloat. So, yeah, you're going to see cost-cutting measures everywhere. And, uh, and that's the way it should be. You know, I think maybe, uh, maybe athletic directors and athletic departments got a little fat and happy and couldn't uh, and see past all the green pulling into the bank accounts. And uh, now it uh, might come back to bite them.
0: Well, I do think it's a cycle. Like, I think in 15 years we'll probably be back to where we were and and there will be arguments and things like that. But, no, I think you very well could – certainly are right about that. Not where you could. I think you are right about that, Barrett. Barrett Salee joining us on the show. All right, I don't have a lot of time, but i got to ask this. Because of the lack of windfall here, and now there's a 17th game in the NFL – which I always said you can't make the you can't make the kiddos play 16 when the big boys are playing 16 and getting paid. Now there's a 17th. Could we see an expanded playoffs because of this soon?
1: Well, um, I don't think it would be on uh, you know without you know this year happening. I, I'm a big 14 pro- proponent. I think it would stay there. I think it's going to stay there forever. Now, however. You know, with this whole thing, if you play conference-only schedules, then you're going to have to send, expand playoff this year because there's no frame of reference on which teams and which conferences are better than the others. So I, I think it would expand to eight this year if it is conference-only schedule across the board. And that, I think, would be comparable to the designated hitter in the National League. It, it ain't going away. You can't put the 2 space back in the two if you do it one year. So, um, you know, unfortunately, there are a lot of playoff expansion proponents. I'm not one of them, but this year... I think it would be okay, um, and unfortunately, I think if it happens this year, it's going to happen every year beyond
0: that. What's it like to have to fight people about that? Because you and I agree with each other yeah. about not expanding the po- the playoffs, and I'm like, eh, I kind of don't want to admit that to people because they start screaming at me, and it's not worth the fight, Barrett. <laughs> I don't want to deal it. Honestly, with
1: I, I enjoy it because I have all the correct points, and they don't have any of the correct points, so I like being right.
0: Oh, can I get you on again, and we can just talk about those correct points, and then I can As- use them absolutely. in my arguments?
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Barrett, we thank you. I know you're busier in hell right now, man. Thank you very much for the time, all the best.
1: Uh you too. It's like a regular season days. A regular season these days. Constantly working.
0: I like it. Thank you very much, Barrett.
1: Alright,
0: you The great Barrett Salee joining us, CBS Sports College Football writer. Follow him on Twitter at Barrett Salee. I'm not a proponent. I'm sorry. I, I I know that people think more college football the better. I just like the exclusivity of it, man. And I know you guys get so mad at me when it comes to four and five. We're talking elite stuff here. If you're not fifth, if you're fifth, you're arguing about it. If you're not fifth, you're fourth, you're, you're, you're happier in hell. You get to eight. I just feel there's more bracket creep. And, and we're talking about there's some ways that you can't just give them everything they want. You can't give the players everything they possibly want. I think that some stipend, some payment could probably be good, but I also think that that's a fearful thing because you're already seeing it. Some of these athletic departments are not as fit as you think they are. And the endowments, I can look at, like Stanford has a $28 billion endowment. That money's probably already spoken for. You know, they run athletics like a business. So if I expand that, you're going to lose some other things there. I'll get back into that when we come back. Eight five five two one two four cbs Also, it's a half billion dollars. Kansas City is the first team. To pay for a trophy, not to compete for one, there's a big difference. It's Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio.
1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.